Good morning. I want to make you think a little bit before we start this morning. How often do you check the time each day? Think, how does it make you feel when you're late for something? Or if you get caught in traffic and are delayed getting to a meeting or an event? I think we can all agree that time and the clock have become something of a tyrant in the 21st century Western society. And the more we've tried to use advanced technologies to free time, the worse it seems to get. Just think about the pace of life that we experience in urban UK, even worse if you work in London. And places, for example, like rural Burma or Central African countries. What happened to the age of leisure and creativity that automation and computerization have been promising for decades? Our busyness, and that's busyness rather than busyness, is a relatively new phenomenon. It's been argued that John Wesley, some 200 years ago, was the first busy man. Dr. Johnson said of him, John Wesley's conversation is good, but he's never at leisure. He is always obliged to go at a certain hour. This is very disagreeable to a man who loves to fold his legs and have out his talk as I do. We live in a society that has come to value activity, whether that's working all hours, and I've certainly had emails that I've seen have been sent to me at midnight, of doing extra work in the weekend, weekends or in evenings as a regular part of everyday life. Or getting onto social media first thing in the morning till last thing at night. But is this healthy? More importantly, perhaps, is this what God intended for us? And if it isn't, what does God intend? Now, in real, uh, in Everyday life, you may fake expectations about how much time you should spend at work or on other activities. Not what your work contract says that you have to do, but what your managers expect of you. Equally, you may feel a need, whether it's your own internal feelings or based on others' expectations, to be busy with church activities and responsibilities all the time. Where does the work-life balance fit in this? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't work and work well for our employers. After all, Colossians 3, 22 to 24 says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, not only by being watched and in order to please them, but wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Whatever your task, put yourselves into it as done for the Lord and not for your masters, since you know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You serve the Lord Christ. And neither am I saying that we shouldn't be involved in the activities and work of the church. After all, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission applies to all of us. And God has things that he wants each of us to do. Ephesians 2, verse 10 said, For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life although these aren't necessarily church good works. But we do need to make sure that other things, other people, don't suffer as a consequence of what we're doing. It's far too easy for things to get squeezed out of our schedule because we just can't fit them in today. And then perhaps not tomorrow. 
until it's become a habit not to do the things we ought to do. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, the writer was addressing this issue about people coming to church. He said, let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And we also need to make sure that we, as individuals, don't hurt ourselves as a consequence of our busyness. How many times have you heard about people going down with stress-related issues at work? Or people who burn themselves out carrying out a specific role for a long time? It's one of the reasons why ministers are allowed a sabbatical after so many years of service. We need time to recover from the effects of our busyness. Yet one of the challenges we face in our everyday lives is how do we find the time to, that, to have for that recovery and reflection? Even finding time to exercise properly can be a challenge that just adds to our daily stress. How do we fit this in among all the other competing calls on our time? The root of our, our challenge is we want to be in control. We want to set the agenda. Certainly in the developed world, we've largely insulated ourselves against the natural world. We're no longer directly dependent on the, uh, the agricultural cycle. We ship produce around the world so we can have strawberries at Christmas, not just in the summer. Our homes are insulated and centrally heated, and we don't need to worry about the climate outside. Medical science, health screening, and good medical treatments have protected our health from diseases that killed so many in previous generations. Even the work that we do, so many of us now work indoors, separated from the elements, has resulted in us forgetting the power of nature. And this separation from the natural world, the natural order of things, has resulted in us losing our appreciation of the fragility of life. We expect to live out our full natural term and increasingly to remain reasonably fit and able to enjoy life throughout it. Yet the last 10 months, if nothing else, have shown us we're not separated from nature and we're not in control of the world. And it seems to have come as a great shock for many people to realize that. For so many people, though, in developing countries and other poorer parts of the world, this has always been evident. Late rains cause a harvest to fail. That leads to starvation and death. Violent storms, plagues of insect, rampant diseases are still all part of life for most of the human race. For them, the words from James ring true. Yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Don't these words ring more true for us now than they did this time last year? Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID. Our busyness has been curtailed. We've had to focus more on what we can do rather than what we would like to do. The crisis has presented us with an opportunity to reevaluate the way we live, the way we think, and the way we use our time. We should take advantage of this. And we also need to ensure as the vaccines get rolled out, as normal life restores, we keep hold of what we've learned. We need to identify what is important rather than just the urgent when allocating our time. When Jesus visited Martha and Mary in Luke 10, we see exactly this dilemma 
and how the two women responded to it. Martha got herself in a tiz, frantically getting the meal ready. Mary sat and listened to Jesus. When Martha, in frustration, came to Jesus and said, intervene in this, please, Lord. He replied, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. So what are our priorities in using our time? Is it work, family, friends, TV programs, church activities, something else? How do we decide the right balance between these? Well, I think straight away I need to say there is no one right answer. It depends on our circumstances and even more on how closely we're following Jesus and therefore how much his priorities have become our priorities. Clearly, there are some things that should be higher on the priority list than others. Watching TV is probably the one that goes quite well down. But even there, if what you watch leads you to pray about circumstances and situations in the world, to give financially to help meet needs you've seen, or even get involved, in, in, even get involved directly in addressing issues, it isn't all bad. And we all need to recognize we need some time to rest and refresh ourselves, to re-energize ourselves for the next day, the next week. And that includes spending some quality time with God. Depending on what you do, the way you relax and re recuperate may be different. For an office worker, it may mean exercise. For someone who does, works with their hands strenuously, perhaps it means just being able to sit and do something gentle, read or the like. We need to find a balance that works for us and works for our relationship with God. There are, however, some guidelines that we can see in the Bible that we can think about. One of the most obvious ones is the cycle of the weeks and taking the seventh day as a day of rest. This is something that God instituted. It appears in multiple chapters in Exodus. But Exodus 34, 21 says, For six days you shall work. But on the seventh day, you shall rest. Even in plowing time and in harvest time, you shall rest. Plowing and harvest, the two busiest times of the year for a farmer, the two critical times of the year when not getting the job done can result in starvation and wasted and lost opportunities. Even there, God says, take that day. Don't be busy all the time. Jesus took time off during his ministry and made efforts to ensure his disciples had time to recharge their batteries after significant events. For example, look at Mark 6, 31 and 32. After the twelve had returned from their mission to the towns around, Jesus said to them, Come away to a deserted place, all by yourselves, and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a deserted place by themselves. But besides the time to rest, there's also time to work. We should be looking to support ourselves and our families. In 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 to 12, Paul wrote, For even when we were with you, we gave you this command. Anyone unwilling to work should not eat. For we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies, not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly 
and to earn their own living. The issue is addressing was not those who could not support themselves for some reason, but those who would not. We should be earning our own living. We should also be financially supporting the work of the church. And not only here in ABC, but elsewhere, through missionary societies and similar organizations. We should be looking to support those in need. Again, in our own fellowship, yes. In the people that we contact through the fellowship, yes. But in other ways as well. Where has God touched your heart to do that? In Mark 14, 3 to 9, we read of the woman who anointed Jesus' feet with a jar of ointment, costing about a year's wages. When I read that, I thought, What's that? what does that mean in real terms? I had a look, and according to the government website, that's about £36,000 based on the average household income in 2020. Not surprisingly, a lot of people had a go at her and said, that money could have been, could have been used to give, buy, give to the poor, not for this ointment. Jesus defended her. But his basis was he wouldn't always be with them, but the poor would. By implication, you're going to give to the poor any time. Jesus was only there at that time. And in James 1.27, we read, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained in the world. It's very noticeable. If you look through the whole of the Old Testament prophets, there's a very strong thread of condemnation for those who don't look after the needy and the powerless, typified normally by widows and orphans in their society. Something for us to bear in mind as well. And then we should be working for God. We've already reminded ourselves that God has prepared good works for each of us to do from Ephesians 2.10. And in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul reminds us that we're all part of one body, but we're all not the same. God has given each of us gifts to use in his work, something Paul also addresses in Romans 12 and Ephesians 4. So clearly an important part in his mind of what he was teaching. Our work for God may not be separate from our jobs. Think back to the series we did a couple of years ago on our front lines. Part of God's purpose for us in our work situation is to be his witness there. In Matthew 5, 16, Jesus said, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. We may be the only Christian that one of our work colleagues ever meets. What we say may be the only opportunity that person has to hear the gospel, to understand and receive the gift of eternal life that Jesus offers. And if not in our place of work, what about in our social activities? amongst our neighbours in our street, in our families. These are all places where God has placed us to work for him, and he expects us to be diligent and obedient in our work. In 1 Corinthians 3, 11 to 15, we are described as builders in the way we work. And Paul wants us to be careful as we conduct our work for God to pick the right building materials to build with. But no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has been laid. That foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, the work of each builder will become visible, but the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed with fire, 
and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. If what has been built on the foundation survives, the builder will receive a reward. If the work is burned, the builder will suffer loss. The builder will be saved, but only as through fire. So how do we balance all these calls on our time, along with all the other demands we faced in everyday life? Well, firstly, we need to prayerfully examine the way we use our time, the things we're doing, and see if we really need to be doing them, or we should be doing them. Things that we may have brought into our lives as, as Christians from before we accepted Jesus, or things perhaps that we've picked up from the secular world around us since, are particularly worth looking at it. In 1 Peter 4, 1-3, Peter said, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same intention, for whoever has suffered in the flesh is finished with sin so as to live the rest of your earthly life, no longer by human desires, but the will of God. You have already spent enough time doing what the Gentiles like, do, Gentiles like doing, living in licentiousness, passions, drunkenness, revels, carousing, and lawless idolatry. When we look at how we use our time, we need to be looking with Jesus, seeking his guidance. What are his priorities for us? Where does he want you to be? Where does he want me to be? Some of the possibilities that opens up, we may be fearful of. We may not want to give up our familiar, comfortable ways and habits, but we won't be doing it alone. In Matthew 11, 28 and 29, Jesus said, Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I think last week in Ross's um, thought, he illustrated that quite nicely with what he said about finding he had more time, less stress since he'd become a Christian. Jesus promised to be there with us as we follow him, sharing the load, walking beside us. And by giving up our frantic busyness, we may be surprised by the alternative that Jesus promised not for. And then finding that rest for our souls. Being obedient to Jesus isn't an easy choice. Walking with him can be hard. We need to make hard decisions, including those about how we make use of our time. We need to put our own desires to one side and let Jesus be truly Lord of our lives. And Jesus said, Ultimately, it's like taking up our cross daily to follow him. The person who took up their cross was on their way to execution. They had no choice. They were going that way, and they carried the, the instrument of their death with them. But if we do, as, do take that cross up, as we do follow Jesus, as Jesus said in Matthew 25, 34 to 40, there is a reward waiting for us. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will say to him, Lord, when did we do all these things? When did we see you hungry and thirsty and give you food and drink? When did you see you hungry? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, 
just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. God has given us a certain amount of time on this earth. We don't know how long. What we do have, what we have been given is enough to do what is needful, to do what he wants us to do. We're here to redeem the time that we've got, not to fill every bit with relentless activity, but equally not to waste it. Psalm 31 verse 15 tells us our time is in God's hands. He's given us things to do. There is work that we should be doing, but also times for rest and relaxation. We need to learn to trust him and wait on his timing. Just before he ascended, Jesus gave the church its marching orders in the Great Commission. There are still many people who need to hear the good news. There is still plenty of work to do, and the time to complete it is finite. Jesus is coming again. We don't know when, but we need to be fulfilling the task he's given us of working for him when he comes. We're called to be witnesses to those around us, to work, to give, to pray. This isn't to earn salvation. That's already ours as a free gift of grace from God through Jesus' death and resurrection. We seek to reach people because Jesus loved them enough to die for them. And we should be reflecting that same love to the people around us. That's what we're called to do. It's not down to us whether people respond. That's in God's hands. We just need to be faithful and obedient in fulfilling the tasks he's given us. We need to use our time, whether for work or for relaxation, to please the one we love and serve. So that when we get to that day of judgment, when we face him in eternity, we'll hear him say to us, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You've been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. May that be what we all hear when we face the Lord. Amen.